Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Dia Dynasty, and you are listening to Why Are People Into That with Tina Horn. Everybody doing? It's Sunday. It's humid, but it's very well air conditioned in this dungeon. One of the many, many reasons that we are all pro dungeon uh, around here. Welcome to Wire People Into That live at the Eurydice Gallery in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Tina Horn, and Why Are People Into That is my slutty, kinky, queer, perverted-as-fuck sexuality podcast. I have been producing and hosting Why Are People Into That 100% independently for going on five years now, and recently I've been recording more episodes live in front of an audience of community members and like-minded pervs like y'all. Uh, and the main difference between the regular Wire People into that podcast and the live show is that instead of choosing, so usually on the show, I'll have one guest and they'll choose one sexuality or kink or gender or love topic and we'll like dive really deep into that. Um, but with the live show, I usually like to sort of choose like a variety of different topics and also have a variety of people to talk about those topics. To my left is Jin Hee, a professional dominatrix, community events organizer, gender non-conforming visual artist, and gallerist. Jin was born and raised in Hawaii and is now based in New York. Jin collectively organizes events and art shows with Brooklyn, queer, trans, people of color, punk collective, No Flowers, No no Flowers, Oh, nice. And then you also organize for Disclaimer Gallery. Cool. So everybody, give it up for Jin. So then to Jin's left is Alex, or Alice. How do you pronounce your last name? Mayorano. Mayorano? Alex, or Alice Mayorano, is a professional body piercer, hook suspension practitioner, born and based in Brooklyn. Alice is the manager of Ahemsa. Ahemsa. Alice is the manager of Ahemsa Piercing Studios, the head piercer of Anchors Away, spelled A W E I G H. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a pun. No, it's a it's a good pun. <laughs> Me, me too, as is uh, evidenced by me reading these bios. Um, so um, Alice is the head piercer of Anchors Away suspension team and a production member of The Skin Project. Everybody give it up for Alice. And then together, is it pronounced Alagin? 
So uh, Allergen is a play-piercing demonstration duo based out of Brooklyn, New York, and you may know that because they just did a play-piercing demonstration right here on the stage, and they're both probably still kind of bleeding a little bit. Yeah, awesome. Just a little. It's, yeah. Um, they publicly demonstrate needlework as a type of ritualistic and sensual practice. I can confirm that that is what that was like. Um, cool, so that is who they are together. And then, finally, last but not least, we have Amy, and I also don't know how to pronounce your last name, Amy. It's Boyajin. Boyajin? yeah. Cool, Boyajin. so... Amy Boyajin is the founder of Wildflower, a gender-neutral sexual wellness brand that focuses on pleasure and education. Previous to Wildflower, Amy worked as a dominatrix in New York City, giving her a unique insight to sexuality within our culture and helping her shape her unique style of sexual education. Originally from the UK, Amy currently resides in New York City, and in case you didn't know, Amy is also the person who has curated and produced this amazing event that you are all enjoying the air conditioning of right now. So everybody give it up for Amy. There's a lot to appreciate besides the AC. I'm just really focused on that right now because it's very humid, but um, there is also, uh, did you guys do the, the, the like plaster art that's upstairs? Like all of the like, yeah, so do you want to talk about yeah. those? And also like, your posters. Can you just talk about like, and the neon, like all of the installation of this space a little bit actually? Yeah, let me, let me talk to the space a little bit. So um, this gallery obviously is amazing. Um, I really liked it because of the dynamic of upstairs to downstairs. So we kind of played with that. All of the paper mache that you see upstairs, you can touch it, especially the you know furry penis one, because that one's fun. Um, but yeah, it, they're all paper mache. I use them for um, educational purposes when I'm making videos and stuff like that. Cool. Um, because basically, when I started looking online for that kind of material, they were either like tiny and plastic. Um, they were all like Caucasian skin tone or um, they were like plush dolls, Yeah, you know? And I'm like, my pussy does not look like a plush doll. <laughs> so I tried to make something that was like visually appealing for more visual learners and also like kind of novelty and fun. Awesome. Um, yeah, we have all of the posters upstairs. Um, Can you say what the posters say? Yeah, so we have posters on the wall that's also a t-shirt design which we have available. Um, the posters on the wall have like different mantras of that, you know, self-love, so it's like, fuck yourself, uh, love yourself, all, all the, that good stuff. And then we have posters that say, I heart butt stuff, lube it up, gender doesn't own you, love yourself again. Um, so all of those signs up there that you can, like, take photos with and just kind of have as your own little personal mantra for the day or whatever. Um, as we come downstairs, so we have this neon sign. We actually ordered one, and it came broken. So this is uh, my partner's Nix, who's also um, the second half of Wildflower behind the scenes. Um, he put together this in a day, which is like fucking phenomenal. I don't know how he does it. Um, but he does all like the technical aspects of things and the, the website and all that. And I do all the like, hi everybody stuff. So yeah. Cool. And so Wildflower is a YouTube channel and an online store and like, how else would you describe it if somebody has, has come in today and knows nothing about Wildflower? Because this is, and this is your one-year uh, birthday anniversary yeah. of the company. Yeah. So Mazel tov. 
Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're one. We're still a baby. But, um, yeah, so we started... But old to, enough to consent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the sex toy world. Um, so, yeah, basically, Wallflower was this balance between offering products in a non-binary or gender-neutral environment because, like, why are dildos gendered? We're gendered, not products. Mm. So that whole idea was, like, how can we create products to be more accessible to people, um, but also offer them in an educational way, too. How mm. can we um, offer people this information that they should have, but, you know, as the, cu the current um, society we live in doesn't offer? Um, but not in a way that's like scary or intimidating or you're doing it wrong. Just, you know, we're not yucking anybody's yum here. We're just uh, talking about like real life things that people need to know. I think that sometimes sex education is really, really focused on anatomy and don't get pregnant mm. and don't get an STI. But it's also like, how do I play with my nipples? How do I put stuff in my butt? How do I do all these other things? Like, what about, like, pleasure and consent and, like, the fun stuff about sex? Um, we also have, like, a Q&A where people can, like, write in questions and we answer them. So it's kind of like a balance between, like, a community, a store, and um, an ed educational page. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Great work. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. So um, I really would like to start, and I'm going to send this one first to Allergen, as you are collectively known. Um, and I actually, I think that this, su this subject has come up on the podcast before, but I don't think that we've ever done a real focus on it. And it's a total love and interest of mine. And I think it's really fascinating. And there's a lot of mystery around it. So... Um, so I really want to do wire people into piercing. And we can totally do wire people into getting, um, you know, piercings that are, um, you know, more permanent, if you will, like from getting your ears pierced to getting a septum piercing or your belly button pierced or whatever, but also the kind of surface play piercing that you guys were doing earlier, um, as well as even like rope pulls or suspensions, or I have just have a sense that you might know a thing or two about those things. So. Why don't we start by having you both describe a little bit for folks that either missed it here in the room or missed it on the live stream or are listening to the podcast and didn't get a chance to see your performance. How would you describe the performance that you just did half an hour ago? Um, well, we just did like a, demonst a demonstration. I try to stray away from the word performance, um, mostly because we're just demonstrating something that is a practice within the BDSM community, as far as just like a ritualistic thing that people do for either pleasure or, um, I don't know. To push limits and mm, kind yeah. of understand the body and be really aware of yourself. Because pain is, as we said in our opening words, pain is just part of life. It just is, and you have to accept that. And when you can embrace that and not let it be the only thought in your head, then you can enjoy yourself with things like play piercing and stuff like that and body suspension. Mm -hmm. and kind of open up a lot of doors that are naturally closed a lot by society because not a lot of people. I mean, if you look at this, anyone who came in from the outside world who didn't know what we were doing would be like, what the fuck are these people <laughs> up to? Um, and I found that most of the things in like our, our demonstrations and in our life is like that. You're kind of like, outside world comes in like, what the fuck is this? When it's really just all normal. Mm. Um, yeah. I think I went off tangent a little bit there, didn't I? No, no. Oh, I feel like I did, though. Also, but <laughs> 
Perfect. So I'm, I'm where All I need to All these segues. So, yeah, feel free to tangent away. I think you did say something a little bit along the lines of, like, what's maybe the differences between decorative piercing and play piercing and suspension. I think decorative piercing, just to give an example, is like having a nose ring, um, and then play piercing is kind of what, like, Alice and I just did, where we just pierce the surface of kind of like a good meaty part of your skin and suspension is when you put hooks and you literally are elevated from the floor. Um, or pull against each other with someone else with hooks or you tie to like a point or something along those lines as well. Mm -hmm. um, what we did today uh, was play piercing. And um, yeah, I don't know what else to say from there. I mean, really what it is, um, what we're trying to demonstrate with play piercing is to show that um, to open it up for other people. A lot of people don't even know that it's part of the BDSM umbrella. I think a lot of people's thoughts on that, you're like, oh, it's flogging, it's rope bondage, you know, shibari, it's, you know, all the regular things, regular things, all the regular things you really it's attribute to BDSM. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and latex and leather, but it's a huge spectrum, you know, from electro play to wax play yeah. to play piercing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's all like finding different sensations that you like. And we have both found, we both actively do body suspension, me being a practitioner, and I'm also in like my real job life, I do professional body piercing, so I do the decorative, so I'm kind of like on all spectrums of it. Um, and I'm going to school, or going to go to school for acupuncture, and yes. yeah. That's, a, that's an important connection. Yeah. I sometimes, when I get, I love getting acupuncture, mm -hmm. and secretly, I try not to like, I, I try not to like unconsensually involve my like uh, acupuncturist in uh, <laughs> in like the particular way that I like may be enjoying it, but I am like definitely like internally um, aware of the ways that going to acupuncture is like a, a kinky experience for me because it's like a chance to like engage in sensation, engage with pain, engage in um, and, and and engage in a, in a healing modality that then that helps me to realize the ways that, that kink not maybe done by like a professional acupuncturist who has gone to school like, like you are um, can also be healing um, and, and vice versa. So then it becomes like, I feel like I, as a, as a, when I go to acupuncture, I sort of like learn how to be a better bottom. <laughs> um, uh, but again, just, you know, in, in my, I'm not like, you know, moaning or like, touching myself behind the curtain. Anyway, I just go home and do that. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of uh, what acupuncture has this like connotation that you're going in for healing, and I feel like a lot of play piercing has the same um, outcomes, but I guess because of media, or I don't even know what, it kind of puts it under a light that's like not in the same respect, but I think it's super similar. Like I just feel very, very at ease right now. Thank right, you. Right, like yeah. comfortable. And yeah, you after after you have it's very much the same as being in that same subspace. You're very relaxed. You feel ease. You know, if you know if your aftercare, if your partner works well with you, me and Jin work really well together, and we know how to also do it together. But at the end, comfort each other and be in that space because it is exhausting. You do have to deal with like a lot of emotions, a lot of flooding, and any really any pain can be transformative. Mm -hmm. I've seen it in doing piercings on somebody. Doing just a simple nose piercing can change someone's entire perception of themselves. Mm -hmm. And body suspension is a totally different animal. I think anyone who suspends come out comes out a totally different person because mm -hmm. it's a totally transcendent experience in every way. So let me ask 
for folks who have never had, so you guys um, sat on the stage for your demo, and um, what were the gauges of the needles? 20. So you had 20 gauge needles, and like to give a basis for comparison, what is the gauge of a needle when someone is like, if somebody goes to the mall to get their earlobes pierced, what gauge is that? 18. 18. So it's one size bigger, generally. So we did one size smaller than like a standard earring would be. The smaller the number, the bigger the gauge. The smaller the yeah, number, the bigger the gauge. Stupid. And it is stupid, but uh, especially if you're a dyslexic, right? Yeah. You're like, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, but also, I, I guess I was gonna say that there's like a correspondence of pain, but not necessarily like probably for some people like 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 bigger gauges are more intense, but probably for some people smaller gauges are more intense. What would you say about that? It really. I find like with the bigger gauges, like when we were in the back posting ourselves and taking our needles out, we were both commenting on how much these little itty bitty needles fucking hurt coming out. Like yeah. They suck a bunch, but like a suspension hook, which is usually an eight or a six gauge, doesn't feel like anything coming yeah. out. Huh. It's That's so weird. The That's body's just a weird fucking thing, yeah. really, at the end of the day. So, um, so y'all were up here with 20 gauge needles, and, and I definitely want to talk about like the ritualistic part of, of safety, which is also maybe part of the reason that there is like a, um, what's the word, like a, like a threshold for people trying it, which is probably actually good because like without the proper training or guidance or materials, like you probably like piercing yourself with a safety pin, like, you you know, that's probably gonna be fine, but anything anything more than that, um, there's, there's a lot of risk or assessments that you need to make. But anyway, so you guys had 20 gauge needles and you were mostly um, doing surface piercings on the tops of one another's thighs, yeah. right? So can you describe the sensation both leading up to when you're you're sitting face to face and you're anticipating and maybe adrenaline is starting to flow and you know that you're going to be pierced and then the actual sensation of the piercing going in and then you were also just mentioning that like nipple clamps it can feel really different being removed than it can feel going in can you talk about the sensation and what you like about it what you don't like tips tricks um, i feel like for today i didn't have time to think about or anticipate any pain and at this point, I don't, maybe that's just like a coping mechanism I've developed. Um, but I, like, Alice just pierced my face, like, yesterday or two days ago. And that I felt yes, more. Yes, Friday. Friday. Right here. Those little like, right by my Jim Jones up there. Yeah. Um, that I felt like I had so much more anxiety over. And it was only two. So there's, like, for me, personally, I don't have anything of, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get pierced 20 times. I'm freaking out. I was more, like. Is everything going to be clean and sterile? Where are we going to pierce? I thought about environment a lot. That I had no time to think about it. But during the actual piercing, we, we strategically said that we're going to pierce each other at the same time. That was the first time I've ever done that. That's cool. So it was like whenever I was piercing myself, I mean, sorry, when I was piercing Alice and Alice was piercing me, it was like I was feeling what I was giving at the same time. And we counted to three every time. Or we just said, you ready? And we checked in every time. And prior to us even coming up here, I was like, hey, I, as a dominatrix, I like to also practice like clear consensual boundaries, and safe words sometimes don't always like translate into performance. So I wanted to establish something with Alice Pryor, um, but we've done it before, so I don't know. It just yeah. I've always had uh, I've been doing like I don't want to call it like I've done suspension for like gallery events and like personally suspended for gallery events and for shows and things like that. 
and I did theater for many, many years through school. So I kind of have this weird thing when it comes to anything that's on stage where it's just like a disconnect. I'm more focused on doing the thing more than I am what's gonna happen. But once you're in it, yeah, getting pierced, it's, it's weird. You get pierced and in that moment you're like, wow, that fucking kind of sucked, but it also kind of felt really good. And I don't know if I want to do it again, but I kind of want to do it again. And then you do it again, you're like, okay, maybe I want to do that one more fucking time. Yeah. And then I do it again, and yeah. then you're like, all right, maybe I'm done. Okay, I'm gonna do it one more time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like when we were done piercing each other, Jin looked at me and was like, I could do two more. I'm like, no, we can't. Yeah, we're I both know. tired. We, we pushed it ourselves. Like we adrenaline. only feel like we can. Yeah, I was just like, I could do more. Cause it, it's like an endorphin rush every, every time. And once that rush kind of goes away, it's like, oh, I could do that one more time for it, for it to happen again. But yeah, we had time constraints, so if it was up to me, maybe I probably would have had a bunch, but I don't know. We were also like kind of at the point where we're like, we're getting a little sweaty. Yeah, yeah. Let's get a little tough. Like yeah. each one, we're like, we're looking at each other like, oh, that, that one kind of sucked a little bit more yeah. than the last. Yeah. Can you recommend, can you recommend, thank you. <laughs> Can you recommend um, beyond, you know, without going through a whole tutorial of, you know, creating a sterile environment and, and, and gloves and all, that, all of that stuff, uh, sort of more on like an emotional or psychological level, um, can you give tips for preparing for something that is as potentially um, not only like the physical sensation of pain and maybe pleasure, if those things perhaps are linked for you, but also the endorphin rush and the adrenaline and, and all of those responses, which as, as I think we all know from many different kinds of experiences can sometimes get away from you or if you like get really like, you know, quote unquote high in that way and then you don't have, you guys have talked about aftercare. If you don't have aftercare, you can kind of be left with like a little bit of a drop from it. So it, it definitely seems like piercing, maybe it's because you're breaking the skin for whatever reason, maybe it is because of the taboo, has, um, seems like there is a, like a, an exceptional amount of consideration that needs to be placed for how you're gonna be processing that sensation. Can you guys speak to that? Prior, during, Prior, during afterwards, like if folks wanna try it, what are, what are some tips from your experience, um, not only to, to get the most out of it, but also to take care of yourselves emotionally as well as physically. I think to get the most out of it, really just submit is really the, the word. It's, and uh, I, even when we've done suspension things, I mean, even when you were suspending and you're having a hard time, mm -hmm. I came up to you and was like, you just have to submit. You have to accept what it is and that it's gonna hurt and that you're gonna experience this if you wanna get to the other side. Mm -hmm. If you wanna- What's on the other side? Whatever is there for you. For strength, yeah, for me it's Oh, it's strength. ambiguous as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's different for everybody, and it's different every time, so, I don't know. I think having someone who knows how to guide you through it is crucial for piercing, specifically more than, uh, I mean, any anything in BDSM or any of that spectrum, you definitely need someone who knows what they're doing. Um, like, I wouldn't recommend just like going home and picking it up at home mm -hmm. and like looking on the internet and be like, ah, I could, figure this out, like talk to people who do it. Under, like sit with them, have them do a demo for you, get pierced by them and have them pierce you and kind of get an idea of what it's like to guide someone through it because you actually take on a lot when it's, it's, a much, it's a give and take all the way through. Yeah. Cool. How did you guys mm -hmm. get into it? For me, like piercing in general, yeah. decorative initially when I was 16, I was like, it's the only 
excuse me, thing I can do that kind of encompasses like, I don't know, pain and pleasure. Um, and isn't it funny that you can like have, isn't it so funny that you can have this experience of, like I'm, th I'm thinking about being a, a teenager and really, 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 really wanting to get my belly button pierced and like going to the mall. And isn't it funny that you can like get pierced at the mall and like have this like really intense experience and yet like there's such a stigma around like actively consciously pursuing erotic pain and yet there are some things about it that are that we like don't uh, so we like endure them and we understand that they're going to be painful or uncomfortable but there's not as much of a stigma around it I mean there used to be much more stigma around piercing and, and tattoos but yeah. I don't know if you can speak speak to that at all I mean, for play piercing in general, and specifically, I mean, that was introduced to me from working in dungeons and working with people that didn't want to walk out with, like, a piece of jewelry or some sort of sig signifier that they got pierced that day. Um, that was my intro to play piercing, but... Um, well, I've, so I've, I've been a professional piercer since 2012, 13-ish, um, working actively in Brooklyn. So the, I've noticed that decorative piercing has got... Since it's so in the mainstream, it's kind of gone past this point where the ritual is gone. The respect for the ritual is gone. Um, back in the old days, anyone with like, you know, you get these large gauge piercings, you get these ear piercings, and it's a ritual, and it's decorative, but it's part of, it's very cultural, and now it's just, it's, I love my non eyes and capitalized. So yeah. that's, so yeah, you go to the mall and you get pierced, and you don't even like think about the ritual. You don't even think about anything beyond like getting this new piece of jewelry. And that's fine, really, I mean, Decorative piercing is decorative piercing, and it's awesome, and it makes you feel better about yourself, so it's still doing the same thing. Totally. Um, but as far as, like, play piercing goes, I just like to see what my body can do. <laughs> That's partly why I got, I got into piercing, into suspension. I mean, it's fun. It's just yeah. fucking fun. That's all. It's I mean, that's fun. really it. Um, play piercing for me is actually not sexual. Mm. Um, I... It's more of like a sensation thing. It's kind of like the same reason I like to eat a bunch of psychedelics. It's just like you're trying to transcend and leave your body using the body to do that. Um, same thing for suspension, but it's definitely for some people, it's totally like a sexual thing. And I think that's important that we know that as well. Right, I, I wanna also piggyback off what Alice said and I, it's similar, like I get similar sensations of when I do mushrooms and I have like, I see similar things. Like I feel really close to the people around me. Um, I see like a white glow around certain things. After suspending, I can hear trees more than I can hear people in cars, um, which is super important for me to have a connection to living in New York from Hawaii. Mm. So uh, yeah, that's I do it for non-sexual reasons a lot. So. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could go into it, and there are lots of awesome books and resources out there and, and, and teachers and practitioners who will talk about uh, ancient rituals and ceremonies and traditions from many cultures all over the world that may involve body modification of, of various kinds, breaking the skin in various ways, um, and maybe also psychotropic plant medicine in order to get into a trance state, in order to be connected to clarity, the divine, your community, yourself, whatever. So that's cool. <laughs> so if people like wanna have a psychedelic experience, but they're like, 
scared of LSD, then you can just uh, visit your friendly neighborhood play piercer. Or suspend. These, yeah. It's uh, pain and, like, it's going to go on a tangent to the whole, like, cultural thing. But yeah. all those, like, transcendent ceremonies, pain is integral to it. Yeah. Even if it's, like, the Oki Paw where you hang off your chest or you sew bells into your skin and dance. Or you just dance for fucking a day and a half. Yeah. Um, Sounds great. It's all pain. It's all... and. That's how you get to that transcendental state, and sometimes ayahuasca. But it really depends on where you're at and what you're doing. Cool. Oh yes, please. I Amy. feel like isn't that like everything though? Like don't we transcend through everything? It has some kind of pain, you know? Like it, anything you're trying to do in life, whether you're like, I want to get my college degree, or I want to start a store, or I want to do anything, where you're like, I'm gonna get to this next level. God, it's fucking painful. So it's like having a sense of control over that pain yeah. can also be like very enlightening, but it's like, it's, it's a fine balance between, because you are creating the pain in a sense, but you also like have to actively like submit the pain, like you were saying, like you can have an idea about what's gonna happen, but you ultimately don't know. Like you don't know if you're gonna like be like, oh, that was fine, or like have a moment where you're like, you know, it was fine, or if you're gonna cry, or if you're gonna have to call it quits, and that, or you have to, you know, you mm. don't know what's gonna happen. So it's like you create, you're creating the circumstances for like pain, so you just have to like follow through with what pain me means. That's a really good point, and I, I've certainly found and, and spoken about this a lot, and and I know other people feel this way, and I wonder how you feel that lots of BDSM play ritual um, relationships can be a way of having control over pain or, or harnessing pain and in a, in a way that uh, can, can, for some people, have the result of fearlessness in other parts of your life, whether it's starting a business or starting a relationship or running a marathon or something like that. Like once you have been suspended by hooks in your back and you like endured that and survived then you're like I can probably like take the LSAT I don't know yeah yeah for sure I feel like I, <laughs> I love that I, ca I can't but <laughs> yeah I, I also feel like it's um not only like a oh I'm going to experience this pain therefore like I can experience other things because I've known what it feels like or I've created that for myself. But I feel like it's like also a reliving of other traumas and mm. pains, whether they be physical or mental. So you're like, I'm going to create this circumstance that happened to me where I felt like I didn't act the way I wanted to act or somebody acted against me in a way that I didn't want to act and I'm able to like have control in some way. Even if you, I feel like when I was working as a dominatrix, that was something that was really popular, was popular, um, <laughs> really popular, um, or really common was this particular thing has happened to me, can we reenact it? Either doing the exact same thing so I can just like relive it and recalculate it in my head, or can I, can we change the scenario and I'm the one who wins or whatever. It's a gestalt therapy. I think that's like a type of therapy where you can like re-LARP, essentially like live action oh role God, play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, you can like reenact something that was traumatizing yes. and then like, and then you have control over the outcome and then essentially the theory behind that type of therapy is like you don't have that trauma anymore because you redid it in a way that you felt like you had control over it. 
Who yeah, knows sure it if it works? Right away, first time, every time. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But yeah, I feel like it, it's very like therapeutic, and and like pain can also be very therapeutic because like pain is also linked to so many other things like anger and fear and frustration and like. Sometimes it's like, oh, I, I'm so frustrated with things. Like, but if I can get to that like subspace of pain, we were just talking outside about how like tattoos can also do that too. Like, you're just like, for the first couple minutes, it's all the adrenaline, and you're frustrated, and then all of a sudden you hit this high, and you're like, ah, oh, like the world just melts away. Yeah. You're still getting like, you know, drilled with a needle, but it's <laughs> like. It's, 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 it, you know, you created that. You're the one who was like, I would like to get this tattooed, please. And, yeah. you know, so you created the circumstance, but you're able to, like, explore the feelings you have without, like, the universe just, like, throwing shit at you. You actually just made the circumstance for yourself. And then you get to look at it all the time. Exactly. exactly. And other people get to look at it. Exactly. And ask you what the story is. And oh then you can God. look at them and say, conquering pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like to do. And people don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> you know something <laughs> it's my goal uh, except for you guys so since Amy and Jen and I have all worked as professional dominatrixes and, and perhaps Alice has as well I don't know your life okay. <laughs> I, I would imagine that being a professional body worker like body mod uh, expert there's like a little bit of, of an overlap it's definitely it's more of like I found that being a piercer, I have more in common with being a therapist. So mm-hmm. like, actually, I feel like a lot, and like with Dom especially, it's you're like talking with people and working them through. The instant is a fucking second. Yeah. You're in and you're out, and it's over, and it barely hurts. You're like, all right, great, it's done. Yeah. But it's all like the lead up. It's the talking. It's the walking people off of ledges. You're like, no, you're going to be fine. I yeah. promise. It's this one second, and then your life will go on, and yeah. you'll just be happy you did it. Yeah. And you'll hate yourself if you did it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's totally elective. It's all... Yeah, it's funny, it occurs to me that when, when Amy was talking about how good, how popular it is that, that dominatrixes who, who are often women will experience from their clients who are, are often cisgendered men, uh, not always, but often, and especially historically, I think it may be changing, that cis men are coming in, and, and, a, and a lot of them white as well, and a lot of them upper middle class and or wealthy, are coming in and saying like, oh, I've had this trauma or this bad experience that I like want to relive and like have more power. And it's like, man, really like more women need access to that kind of, that kind of therapy, that kind of body work, that kind of, of work with others, uh, you know, women and trans people and definitely people of color, like the people who actually are experiencing trauma in life that we could like be giving more public service <laughs> to folks to work through all of that. If we're spending all of this time taking care of like people who have like the most power in the world being like, oh, I was kind of sad about this this one time. Maybe other people could, could, could be or could be benefiting from that more. What do you guys think about that? I've definitely had clients that vary from gender and race. That's great. Yeah, I think I'm very lucky in that. But that's also if you work out of a commercial dungeon, you it's like a lottery. And if they choose me, maybe it's because I'm a person of color that they're like, oh, let's let's do this like similarity thing. I, I don't know. I, I'm I don't know wh- why I was chosen in some respects, but um, 
I agree with you. I think that there needs to be more uh, representation for clientele end, and it shouldn't just be cisgendered white men being able to pay for services that everybody has. Yeah, exactly. Um, but with that said, I think that there should be a lot of communication and intention setting and um, just dialogue between that, between client and worker. And Sesta and Fosta should s fucking stop. <laughs> Let us do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, th like, for me, like, the whole time also while I was a dominatrix, I was also, like, a uh, full-time yoga teacher. Mm. I was definitely like, and they were very, very similar. But like the thing, <laughs> you'd be really surprised. It's all directions. <laughs> it's all about telling people what to do, basically, right? Mostly bending um, over. Yeah, lots of bending over. <laughs> lots of like, oh, that hurts. And you'd be like, shh. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the thing that I kept saying in my head was like compassion, 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 compassion. Because I would get very angry. I get very angry being like, wait, you're on the top of this like societal food chain and you're the one that's like, ooh, poor me. Mm. But then I realized that like the pain and trauma and like all of these worries that we have are like the communal thing that links us. They may not be the same things, but the feelings are the same. And it's also like how do you um, process that in your day-to-day -day life? So I definitely felt like, oh, if I am able to help this person who just happens to be like a cis-het, you know, middle-class, upper-class man um, process his feelings a little bit better, maybe he'll be able to process his feelings a little bit better in the outside world with all of us, you know? Like, I just felt like it was like, I actively also like, um, tried to engage in like things that they weren't used to, like, oh, this, this speak with non-binary language. How about we explore things, um, you know, maybe that you're not comfortable with, how, you know, especially when it was like memorizing things, like I get my subs to memorize stuff. And I would always be like, okay, so we're gonna memorize only literature written by black femmes. And you're gonna, you know, say that back to me. To the point where like, You've memorized it, but like you've memorized this really important part of like, you know, queer femme literature, and like what does that mean to you? You know, so it's just I felt it was like uh, trying to use the tools that I had with the people that I had, because yeah, it's not accessible to pay a couple hundred dollars to see someone for those kind of services. I also think too is uh, an element of like educating people to feel competent and have the tools to do that themselves if they want to, you know, like obviously seeing a professional or, uh, you know, uh, talking to a professional. Remember, if you're talking to a dominatrix, you're paying them for their time. Mm -hmm. Like if you're asking questions, you're paying them for their time. Um, but like, how can you explore that BDSM by yourself, with your partner, with your friends, you know? How can you have a, a kind of sense about what's going on so you can like, join a community, you could go to an event, like the, you know, something that we had today, and, and then you can, yes, exactly, exactly. So I think that we need radical wealth distribution so that more people can afford to see a dominatrix. Exactly. That's my proposal. It should be like a tax break. I, <laughs> write me off, Danny. Okay, so. <laughs> 
Does anyone, I love that piercing has already gone to all of these places. See, tangenting is, uh, is good. That's what we're here to do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, why are people into that, listeners? It's Tina here to talk to you about, guess what? That's right, butts. <laughs> Now, don't forget, it's still anal August, and the Pleasure Chest is still in the midst of their month-long series of ass-obsessed workshops. At the Upper East Side store right here in New York City this week, they've got Kiss My Sass, which is an anal worship workshop taught by yours truly, as well as classes on double penetration, pegging, and a whole lot more. Follow at Pleasure Chest Stores on Instagram for some great butt sex giveaways from B-Vibe. And don't forget, if you visit any of the Pleasure Chest Stores in New York City, LA, and Chicago, you'll get a free Cal Exotics Booty Rocker silicone butt plug with any purchase over $40. If you're ready for this jelly, visit PleasureChest.com. Okay, now back to the show. The question is, you know, the relationship, can we speak to some of the relationships between the the intimacy of breaking the skin, the intimacy of drawing blood, the intimacy of of doing body mod, and you use the word harm, and I'm I'm curious if you guys would, would talk about what the word harm means to you in in relation to to body modification and uh and yeah, if it and, and how and I think that you were saying also that you feel like maybe that it, there's more intimacy there or that there's there's just as much to explore there in terms of intimacy as penetrative sex or orgasms and or what like we more in a more mainstream traditional way might think of as sex do you guys want to hit that I, wanna, I feel like the word harm is so tied in with um, consent like if you go get a tattoo you go get a piercing you usually sign a consent form if you go see a dominatrix you are going to know you go in as a client knowing that you are about to do something to your body I personally don't see any of those activities that I just listed as harmful because I consensually agree that I'm going to do something that is like in my my perception of all of those things are pleasurable or beneficial happy any any positive word right so I also think harm is subjective, um, and harm is only done if I didn't want it to be done. Mm-hmm. That that's very loose. That idea is like very loose in my head, but that's like the main thing is I don't see any of this on a client level as a client, a person who gets tattoos, piercings, and has I'm a switch. Like I don't think that I've ever received harm. The only time I've received harm is if I didn't consent to any of that. Does that make sense? It does. I, I, I you know, I mean, this is this is semantics, but it's also really useful, right? Like language is very powerful, and and I I would agree. I think that that harm is a word that I would more associate with destruction. 
if I'm spanking someone because we both want to do a spanking scene, I'm I'm not even if I bruise even if I burst their capillaries, I'm not destroying them because first of all I know that they're going to heal. Um, actually, I would say first of all we've both consented. That's the most important thing. Um, but also I'm aware of what I can do to them that they will we will have this experience together and then we will both heal and move on. Whereas if I was trying to destroy someone as much as we might like to say like I want to fucking destroy you like we don't want to like cause um like irreparable harm uh and I think that that is an important distinction to make because I think a lot of people think of BDSM and kink and they don't understand the difference between like sadomasochism which is consensual erotic pain and assault right like they don't understand how you could actually like like crave pain eroticize pain like want to connect with someone by playing with pain and so it's really important that we distinguish between uh, assault and play and the the most important distinction is is consent but then i also think that making risk or assessments and knowing cuz you could do something that changes you forever intentionally or unintentionally but it again making uh like harm reduction and making like risk aware assessments to add basically what jay was saying what you were saying as well um i think it is it's pain is very hyper intimate especially when you're paying someone or you're just with your partner and you're both deciding to like engage in pain because your brain when you're experiencing pain doesn't know that you're about it at the end of the day, your flight or flight is going off and it's deciding, what do I do? I need to get the fuck out of here. So it's again coming back to like submitting to it and that involves so much trust. Even if it's just between like a tattooer and a client or a piercer and a client or a suspendee or a dom and a sub, you have to have so much trust in this person who's doing it for you that it becomes this hyper intimate experience more so than just like regular sex, which two people get into it, and you're into it, and you're done, and then you guys watch fucking Matlock for two hours. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, it's a... Uh, but, you know... With, sex with is regular, tired, <laughs> pain is wired. Yeah, okay. with, with, you, with, with like regular sex, you're, if, again, consent. I'm gonna just umbrella, consent. You're, you know, you're fucking, you're orgasming, you're climaxing, you're cuddling, it's over. It's really that, and, you know, no one needs to be like, there's no aftercare, there's no... <laughs> Sometimes you could cuddle, for, you you could cuddle forever. forever. Oh, it's just the best. Um. <laughs> the Matlock thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I watch cartoons. No, we were we're bunny ears in this situation. Like we're watching antenna TV. Like we got seven channels. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in like and even like in a flogging scene, you have or a flogging scenario, you have to both. You have to decide like I'm gonna hurt you. And I, you know, you trust me enough to know that I'm going to hurt you to your capacity, to what you can handle, and I'm not going to push beyond that. And that's why I think it becomes it's so, it's such a pain becomes so hyper intimate compared to just like, fucking. Amy? What came to mind when you asked that question was like the hierarchy of body fluids, right? Like I think that we always think like jizz is like, ultimate and then we have like square and all these like fluids but blood is like such a, a, a scary to some people uh if we're talking about people who have periods it can be a very shameful thing it can be a very upsetting thing something you want to hide um i like recently did a lot of work around uh period sex and like talking and working with people who have periods 
and like the associations that we have with blood is is very intense and it's like some people have a lot of I understand like some people are grossed out by the blood but like is it really are you grossed out by blood or do you have like I'm gonna pass out I can't be a doctor or are you you know like like I've cut my knee and I'm like fainting or is it you just have all of these like associations like blood is dirty it's diseases is like all of these things where it's like mm, that's not really like why are we creating some body fluids to be amazing and some not and like obviously I feel like a lot of them come into like patriarchy standards of you know jizz is god um <laughs> but like all body fluids should be like sacred and all body fluids can be like celebrated and not thought of something that is like disgusting and gross. They can be beautiful too. Yeah, I think that it's really, I mean, this is where the, the idea of making risk or assessments is very important and, you know, this is a, a sort of theoretical and like raunchy and political show, so we're not necessarily gonna do like a whole tutorial on um, safety practices or best practices of blood-borne pathogens, um, but I think, that, I think that it is, seriously, I, I, I mean, I think that it is, that, you know, this is an example of what, what you're speaking to, Amy, about the, um, visceral repulsion that people have uh, uh, against um, certain fluids. Uh, and I, I did an entire episode specifically about fluids um, with Jenny Zhang and another episode um, about blood with Maxwell Lander. So there's tons of wet stuff all over this podcast over the past few years, um, if you want to check that out. But uh, I think that you know, a lot of people have like a, a repulsion to, you know, some people have more of a, of a repulsion to uh, you know, ejaculate that comes out of a penis or ejaculate that comes uh, out of a vagina or uh, or spit or blood or, uh, or you know, discharge. discharge. People are repulsed by, by sweat, you know, and then they, like, put chemicals in their armpits so that they don't sweat. Anyway, um, so, like, uh, they're... But at the same time, it is very important, and, and this... What I want to get at is that, you know, there is uh, a frankly, uh, criminal uh, and, you know, unethical lack of comprehensive sexual education uh, for young people and adults um, in this country and around the world. And so we, 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 what we teach is fear and what we teach is repulsion and shame and avoidance instead of understanding, hey, um, I, I want to do some piercing so I'm going to understand bloodborne pathogens or, like, I really want... Um, someone to come in my ass without a condom, so I need to understand like what um, what STIs I'm at risk for, et, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that um, I think that education is very important, and learning to challenge where does you know your propensity to faint when you see blood coming from, um, and and like challenging that. And well, I don't know. What are some? Do you guys have some tips for challenging some? Like prejudices that you may have against certain body body fluids, Do I have like tips submerge, like go, like I'm like, but also like uh, notice like where you're actually getting your like um, experiences from. Like if you're like, oh, I want to get acclimated to like the side of blood, you're not gonna like put on like a horror movie because first of all, that's not blood, that's fake blood, and also it's like way over the top and exaggerated. Like, 
what about like the the blood that you two both like had afterwards when you, I saw you taking the needles out? It was like minimal, real. It wasn't like oozing. You weren't everywhere, but it was like where. What kind of media are you are you getting used to? Are you looking at media and uh, like porn is is really big at the, for like exaggerating things. Like anime. You know. Yeah. If we're looking at like yeah. <laughs> you know, if someone's like, oh, I want to like get used to like pissing on someone. I really want to piss on my partner. You know, uh, notice that if what you're watching or what you're engaging with, if you want to go that route, it can be so exaggerated. Like, you piss on someone, it's like, oh my god. It's like, it's like bright yellow. It's like that first pee you have in the morning. You're like, mm, it's not probably going to be like that. Um, so like, I always say, like, do it yourself first. I'm a very, like, DIY, like, if you want to try something, like, if you're like, hey, I want to try anal, like, I'm going to masturbate first to, like, have that gauge of control. And I think you can do that with fluids, too, if you make those fluids, obviously. Um, but you can, like, gauge that personally and be like, oh, okay, it's not as scary or wild as crazy as it seems. I also think it's important to change the way that we react to certain, like, social encounters if someone's like I have to pee or like oh I'm bleeding and don't say ew or something like that's also going to change and construct the way that we just like view bodily fluid maybe it's totally normal and I totally understand if your reaction is just like oh uh, like that but if you just like take one time out of the many instances that you see somebody who maybe like somebody smells like pee or so like like just think Am about I? like no no I'm this is just no, an arbitrary I thing I threw out <laughs> but like the the way that you react can really sculpt the way that people view on a larger level or sorry a larger scale of like how we just view our own bodies so and I think asking yourself why is really, so I have a lot of friends, I grew up, I grew up in like the projects, I have a lot of friends who are very limited in their idea of sex, you know what I mean? Like it's like very much like pound on top, do your best, get out of there, you know? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so like a lot of that, like that segment of like most straight dudes that I know that I'm friends with, they're like, the idea of period six is like disgusting to them. And I always just like, just ask them, why? Yeah. Why? Why? What? What exactly? Exactly. It's actually kind of the fucking best. So you're just kind of like, ask yourself why. You're like, oh, that person, they want to pee on me. Why do I think that's gross? Is there anything specific? Does it actually gross me out? Or am I just working with society told me is what's gross, you know? Because... I'm just kind of getting back to the period. It's fuck period sex rules. I don't know why anyone's against it. It's it's a weird thing. I don't know. That's my that's my piece. <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> period sex is the best. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I think that we have time. I eh, no, it's the best. <laughs> I think we have time for one more question. That is a fucking great question. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking it. I almost want to go back on my word and actually include the recording of you saying it, but I'm going to try to restate it. So basically the question is, if you are going into a kink space, there uh, is a, a tendency that, that people will have um, the sort of rules of engagement in a space like the Eurydice Gallery might be, oh, so what are you into? What makes you kinky? And, um, and the person asking the question feels like, well, I just, I just met you. This is crazy. Uh, 
but, uh, but you know, I don't necessarily feel like sharing um, something that intimate with you. And they wanted to know if that makes them an asshole, and, and definitely it doesn't make you an asshole. But I also think that people asking folks what they're into doesn't necessarily make them an asshole either, so we can unpack that a little bit. Um, so, so yeah, so that's basically the question. I really want to say a couple of things. First of all, it, ev- there's a misconception that people who transgress any kind of sexual convention, whether they're queer or they're kinky or they're a sex worker or they do sex education uh, like in this space or they, they, um, or they make erotic art or anything like that, that, that if they've transgressed regular boundaries, that that means that they don't have boundaries. Uh, and that's a, that's a myth. Actually, we have much better boundaries because we're like out here figuring a lot of shit out on, on, our, on our own or re- remaking our rules. Um, and so, so that's, that's one thing. Um, and another thing is that I think that when you're part of a subculture, you the, it, sometimes it can be so liberating to have found, you know, other people waving their freak flags, that you come to really strongly identify with the thing that you that 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 makes you a part of that subculture. Maybe you don't feel a part of any other culture. Maybe you don't feel a part of your family of origin. Maybe you don't feel a part of the town that you grew up in. Maybe you don't feel like a part of the church that you that people try to indoctrinate you into or whatever. And so, um, and so. Uh, sometimes, uh, so so some people have like desires or like get hard or get wet um, for particular things, and that might feel like a really intimate thing to share with a stranger. And sometimes kink identities or sexual identities can can become like a part of your identity, right? So somebody, for example, might be into age play, right? Like they may be they may be turned on by imagining or role playing themselves as an age that's different than the age that they are. It might be an older age, younger age, whatever. And some people identify as littles, right? So somebody might be like, oh, I'm a little, I'm five, and like this person you're talking to is clearly 40, right? Um, so, so, so for some people, or somebody might say, I'm a puppy, or somebody might say, I'm a top, and that is my identity. I'm Toppy McTopperson from Top Town, you know? And um, I know you know that guy. Um, um, so some people are very, very proud to identify in that way, and they get the fucking t-shirt, and they, or they, get, the t- they get the tattoo, they get the hat you know they get the like they get the necklace and uh and so and so and that can be really great right and we want to encourage that but then also like maybe somebody is is exploring or is into something but doesn't necessarily like want to like lead with that identity or also maybe their identity is fluid or it's shifting over time or they don't want to be put in a new box and I think that also sometimes if you've been the, the other thing I'll say before I pass the mic is that sometimes when we've been oppressed and then we feel like we find liberation or we find a community where we felt alienated before, sometimes we like um, reenact um, that oppression that has been done to us uh, onto other people that we either perceive like, now I have power over this person and so I can be a mean girl or I can be a snob or I can, cross somebody else's boundary because other people tried to cross my boundaries, or I can be a know-it-all and be like, you don't know me, I'm the toppy McTopperson from Top Town, right? So, um, 
So let's, get, let's stop doing that. <laughs> just because, thank you. Just because somebody bullied you doesn't mean that you can bully other people. Um, and, uh, and also, if you, but, I, but, but I, your question about like what are some good icebreakers or way to engage with people and talk about kink that doesn't just have to do like, well, I'm the king and I'm the queen and I'm the pawn and I'm the knight and this is how we're all gonna like engage with one another. Like, um, I I'm, I'm really would love to hear what y'all's suggestions are and thoughts are on that. So that's my monologue about your great question. I don't really have a suggestion, but the only analogy that kept running through my head was like, it's almost like a kink credit score. Like if you don't have a high enough credit score, then you can't come to this fucking party. And I think it's like super like classist or whatever, or just ist of some sort. Yeah, like kinkist, I guess. And it's not fair, especially if like kink is supposed to be an alternative to something that is closed off. It's supposed to be open, right? It's, that's just not fair. There's other parties that I'm sure you could find or other communities that will be yeah. like, okay, and I'm sorry you've had that experience. Um, yeah, just tell them to freak the fuck off and go find another party. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. No, you don't have to say that if you don't want to, but I don't know. I don't really have a suggestion other than there will be other things out there. Start your own party. Yeah, I think sometimes, yeah, everybody reads like the ethical slut and they're all just like, okay, we have to do A and B and C and D. <laughs> And like they do everything right, and then but they don't get the response that the book says they're gonna get. So then it's like, wait, wh well, I asked you what you're into, and you're supposed to tell me, and then we're supposed to do it, right? So it's I, I feel like it's like engaging with people with being like, okay, I get that that that's your strategy of how you navigate this space, but like this is how I'm doing it, and also like we're both just humans. I I see that a lot too when people. Um, want to be um, accessible to people's pronouns, they'll go straight up to the person that they're unsure of their pronouns and say, what are your pronouns? And they're just like, hi, my name's Amy. <laughs> nice to meet you. Like, it, it's sometimes, especially I think in communities that require a lot of like consent and a lot of um, structure to them sometimes, people get caught up in that structure of being like, we have to do things this way. And um, just to like piggyback off what Tina was saying, there can definitely be like um, a replica replication of like what we see and experience in society in those spaces. And I definitely have seen that. There's tons of kink communities and pockets of kink communities, especially in big cities like New York. Um, but they can get very like hierarchy standards of like, okay, well, I'm going to this party, but it's ran by like three white cis men that call themselves the Lords. And I'm like, wait, what? This is just exactly what was outside, inside here. So it's, it is about finding your own space and finding your own people. And honestly, if that space doesn't make you feel comfortable and accepted, then don't give them your fucking time or energy. Oh, money, yeah, This yes. isn't just yes. like a, a like, monetary transaction. The, it's like an yeah. energy exchange yeah, like, that you're this having. This is for you to explore who you are on your terms. And if they can't do that for you, then bye. You know? And I'm going to offer a little bit of a nihilistic thing from years of being in the service industry. People fucking suck. People just fucking suck. That's just the truth of it. And any community, even in the most inclusive and good community, those shitty fucking people are going to wiggle their way in there and they always make it to like the top of the thing because they're shitty. Um, 
and they just step on everybody, and that's how they get there. So they get to throw their party. So you go in there, and they're like, what's your fucking king card? Let me see your badges, bro. So, um, <laughs> so people fucking suck, because you just have to find, like, small, tight groups, small, tight groups that are willing to not be assholes about everything and have, like, this holier-than-thou attitude about, like, we're all just doing weird sex stuff. Let's just all have a good time and have do weird good sex stuff. That's all. I also, um, having been like a professional, like sexual extrovert for a long time, <laughs> um, I have a, a lot. Some like a lot of my closest friends are perverts, and uh, and 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 a lot of a lot of what we what we do together are very explicitly pervy things for, you know, professionally and, and, and personally on and off the clock, et cetera, et cetera. And something that I have realized in the past few years is, is really, really important to me is that I can get together with my pervert friends and talk about something other than leather. And like, I love, it, it feels so good to be able to to talk about everybody's favorite butt plug and like what gauge needle you and like how long were you suspended, bro? Like, like all of that is like really, really, really fun and so amazing if you've like had these thoughts and 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 feelings and yearnings for your entire life and then you get to talk about it with people um, in a way that feels really good. That's fantastic. But like also like can we like get together and like have a potluck, you know? And like, <laughs> and you know, what, can we go see, sorry to bother you? Like, can we like go for a bike ride in the park? Like what, like what are, what else do, do you like? And I think that um, just like if you started to talk to somebody in a bar, they might not be like, what's your favorite position? Like, you know, <laughs> you might also like want to first talk about like, what are your commonalities? Because if you do develop a, uh, a sexual or a kink relationship or friendship or all of the above um, for any period of time with that person like you might want to talk about interests other than sex so maybe start with those because if somebody is if it's if you enjoy talking with someone about food like then you may get to the point where you like want to jive with them about more intimate things so I would say if somebody comes up to you and wants to go like straight into the sex talk, you could even be like, you can have like something, uh, you know, like an icebreaker ready. Like actually we did, uh, I did this uh, sex worker um, uh, writing workshop about like envisioning horror-topias um, the other day um, with my friend Mistress Blunt and she <laughs> had this icebreaker that ended up going really, really well. So I'm gonna gift it to you all right now, which is uh, if you were me, I mean, you, we all are meat, but um, it, like if you, if you were meat and you were being prepared, how would you want to be prepared? And obviously if you would prefer a vegan uh, or vegetarian option, uh, <laughs> you, you can, but it was so beautiful. You know, some people wanted to be smoked in a barbecue and some people wanted to be in a crock pot and some people were like, I really want to be like shared with my loved ones, you know? So, so like, <laughs> like, like have, like have an icebreaker that might, I mean, obviously that's very erotic if you're a pervert, but, um, you know, at like at have something that's like not specifically like, what are you into that you can like get started on, on a conversation together. So that, that would be like one piece of advice that I would have about that. And on that note, I think that we are out of time. So first, I want everyone on the panel to say 
where folks can find out more about their work on the internets, and also if there is anything coming up that you want to plug or let people know about. So like I said, I'm Tina Horn. You can find me at tinahorn.net, that's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N, or wiredpeopleintothat.com. Please subscribe and tell your friends about Wired People Into That, this pervy show, and uh, yeah, at Tina Horn's ass on Twitter and Instagram. And what about you guys? Um, my Instagram is gingivitis. It's J-I-N-J-A-V-I-T-I-S. It's so gross. Um, <laughs> thanks. Um, our Instagram is ally, sorry, allygin, A-L-L-I-J-I-N. Um, I don't have anything coming up right now. I have a really bad memory, so maybe if, if anything, you can find it on my Instagram. Um, if you're interested in Domina services, then talk to me after. Um, I mean, other than the allergen part, which has already been plugged, so I won't even go into that. Uh, you can see my piercing stuff under like my professional Instagram handle, which is AlexanderDMM, and you can also follow like the shit that we do and things that we're gonna book in the future. And if you want to book us, let us know. Shoot us a message. We're always down to do shit. Oh yeah, and then I also do like the suspension stuff with Anchors Away. You can go on AnchorsAway.org, and. Uh, yeah, that's really it. I'm not a very interesting person. That's fine. <laughs> I was going to say, not anything interesting about you. Okay. Um, and <laughs> Amy? Um, so, hopefully I will Is there be anything doing... upcoming that, know, like, like, perhaps in this space, I like, next? I will be doing anything real soon, because it's happening right now, <laughs> um, and I need a break. Um, but you can find us on Instagram under Wildflower Sex. It is confusing. Our name's Wildflower, not Wildflower Sex, but, you know, just add the S-E-X on the end. Why not? Um, and you can go on our website. Um, it's wildflowersex.com. We have all of our toys that also we have upstairs. Um, if you don't want to buy them in person, we can ship them to you or whatnot. Um, but we have educational sections. We have blog articles. And we have a sex Q&A. So you can submit questions, and I'll answer them and probably make a giant paper mache pussy, dick, whatever to go with it, <laughs> just for fun. Um, we also have our YouTube channel, which is connected via that. Um, but yeah, so I don't have anything upcoming because this is it. <laughs> what's, um, what's, coming so up, what's coming up next? <laughs> Can you what? talk about some of the other things that are going on yeah, today? Yeah, so what's happening, um, we are having Evian Whitney, who's Ooh. coming up next, who is a sexuality doula. Um, we then have um, a little sex magic segment, which is going to be really sexy. It's going to give you some tools on, practical tools on how to um, heal and get in more in touch with your sexual self. Um, after that, we have... E, who is a spiritual advisor, Brooklyn Bruja, fucking amazing person who will be speaking. Um, then we have an amazing duo, Spirit Twin, which is like an immersive electro duo, which they were doing sound check earlier and it's gonna be phenomenal. Um, then we have queer rapper Dick Van Dick. Mm. And we Great are closing news. with um, Charlene, the drag performer of all drag performers, Miss Bushwick 2017. Cool. Well, I just want to shout out Nick and Ben on the ones and twos. I mean, the 
audio. Uh, can we hear it for the folks that have made this audio so good? And I want to thank all of you for being here and being such wonderful, active listeners and, and for all of your questions. And thank you uh, to the Eurydice Gallery, an amazing sex-positive kink gallery uh, right here in Brooklyn, and to Amy for organizing and curating an amazing event. Everybody have fun, shop for butt plugs, and uh, see you all soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 